0: I'm Steve Mursil, I'm biking 3,700 miles across America really as a celebration of entrepreneurship and communities in order to raise money for a fellowship program. The fellowship program is about allowing young people to get in the rooms with investors and entrepreneurs to learn how that whole system of raising money and growing a company actually occurs. It's sort of like the non-Hollywood version of Shark Tank. Why the bicycling? I'm a bicycle enthusiast. I've often bicycled and done tours, and I thought I could combine two passions into one. And I think the bicycle trip is kind of like starting a company. You gotta plan your route, you gotta plan your business, you gotta to try to fund it, you gotta carry it out and execute it. You're gonna have good days and bad days. In biking, it's good biking days and rainy days and hard days and sometimes you don't get done what you want and you gotta be flexible, but you have a goal at the end. Some people ask me why am I starting this bike ride at Cape Disappointment? And there's a couple reasons for it, because that's where Lewis and Clark ended their odyssey and overwintered there and it was actually very tough. It's another metaphor for entrepreneurship, pioneering spirit, Uh, using advisors, being open, being flexible, finding your way. They started this two and a half year long pioneering trip without really knowing how they were going to get there. And they had to find the resources along the way, almost starved to death more than once. And if it wasn't for Sukaku Chawiyah, they would have never made it. It's again, often when you're starting a company, you need that advisor to help you find your way and give you insights, and she was that person. But
1: what do you think the reward is in suffering?
0: I think probably every day there's some suffering. There's no doubt. In a day, there's part of the day where you're in that ride and and something's bothering you, and it's hard, and and you still got two hours to go, or you got an hour to go. and So there's always some suffering every day, and there's some days I think that the suffering will definitely be greater, Um, but again, you know, when you get through that, and you get done at the end of the day, you have a lot of satisfaction and joy that you accomplish that, that you work through that. And I, I think you cannot experience joy until you experience suffering. If you're following us, we're gonna interview entrepreneurs along the way. We're gonna celebrate entrepreneurship. We would like you to tune in to BizInMotion.org, so you can hear from these entrepreneurs certainly we'd like you to donate so that we can establish this fellowship but our goal is to have fun and celebrate entrepreneurship and celebrate America and celebrate communities along the way. Week two was a long trek. We went through Idaho and then dropped down into the Montana Mountains, and then we ended the week after going over Lolo Pass. But we started our week in this little town at Dayton, Washington, and we had a day off. We had dinner at this little pub, the Springs Fire and Iron Brew Pub, and we meet one of the partners, Ann Springs, who's telling us the story of the pub. And we got a chance then to spend time with her and her husband, Mike, uh, to talk about how they got in the business.
1: I was a fire chief, <laughs> probably, what, 20 some years of my career. And yeah. uh, I always had this romantic dream of standing behind the bar, serving people, and I like people. <laughs> and. Our motto is the only thing we serve is customer service. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so,
0: and it's really a really good example of people who came together and supported each other, and he had a passion and a vision, and they turned it into a business. So, how did you start brewing beer? What, oh, a way?
1: Mr. Brew set 25 <laughs> years ago kind of got me involved, and then really I got more involved when I was the chief over in. Tri-Cities, because they have a huge homebrew group based out of Ice Harbor Brewery. And so, got involved, started going to their meetings, going to different guys' houses, brewing beer in their systems. It just was interesting. Looking at to brew. Yeah. Just with the club. Yeah. And that
0: turned into so. So now, most of the brews, I understand you brew here. Sure. All of them. All of them. A big part of being able to accomplish this for it. Mike and Anne is they have a really good partnership.
1: I can't imagine having a better business partner.
0: Though. That's great. So what makes her such a good business partner?
1: She's a sounding board, <laughs> she's a rock. She's here probably more hours than I am. She is 150% invested in making sure we succeed. And
0: so I've been fortunate preparing for this ride to have the full support of Christine, my spouse. You know, uh, there's a lot of work getting ready for this, and uh, takes away from time and family, and she was always supportive and she's home, uh, taking care of the home front. As I'm on the road here, I couldn't do this without her. And then, of course, while you're on the road, you gotta have support, and I have the uh, support of my good friend Mike Clements as our SAG support driver. At the end of the week, we did Lolo Pass. Lolo was gonna be a big challenge for me, because I've never, biked over a mountain. Elevation of the mountain is about 5,225 feet.
1: It was a very rugged trip through these mountains. They thought, oh, it's gonna take us five days, and it ended up up taking them 11 days to get through. and they almost starved. Is
0: that when they killed the horse and ate the horse?
1: Yep, ate their candles, they were really... yeah,
0: yeah, In a bad way. I was a little anxious. I didn't really know what to expect. And I was concerned that I might not be able to ride it all the way up. But I also felt I was ready. You do it because uh, you know, you just challenge yourself to try to achieve something and I think it's the process that you go through to try to accomplish it is what drives you. You know, I was I was surprised that I made it up there in the time frame that I did. I mean I was cooking pretty good for an old fart like me. <laughs> And then you have the satisfaction of knowing you're doing this to support other people that are going to come behind you and try to do their thing and, you know, start good companies and be community leaders and, and kind of, again, pay it forward through their uh, their attitude about their workers and those things. And what could be better than contributing to our economy and our people and our communities than supporting that kind The past two weeks can be characterized by a lot of endurance and persistence. And that's because of eastern Montana's landscapes are vast and unchanging. And it was a long grinding day. And then for 50 miles it was up with Rolling Hill. But it was a cold day. It was in the lower 50s and it rained off and on throughout the day. You'd go about a mile, and then you'd have to go uphill. Then you'd go a mile, and you'd have to go uphill. You'd go a mile, and you have to go uphill. So I think I went up 92 hills today. Hard, heat, hot, rolling hills, hill after hill. And so you had to be determined to get through the day, looking at the same kinds of things over and over and over. So while at Adventure Psycho, we learned the story of Ian Highbell.
1: He is a European bicyclist. He rode that bike all around the entire world.
0: Um, and the picture that you see of him up there is is how his bike was set up as he was crossing the Sahara Desert. Wow. So thus,
1: that's why you've got all the water jugs. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And all yeah, the gear up yeah.
0: there. That's a true story of endurance and persistence. So it was a good example to emulate for me. I was determined to get through it. And that, that determination at the end of a very hard hot day just encouraged me and made me feel good about myself that I could continue this trip. I was sore, but I didn't say I didn't think of stopping. I just thought of I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I never said I got to stop. I would say that these two weeks gave me the confidence that I would be able to get to the end of the road and be able to dip my front tire in the Atlantic Ocean in Portland, Maine and finish this trip because I knew if I got through these two weeks in eastern Montana, they were going to be probably the hardest two weeks and I could get to the end of the trip. So, this last several weeks, weeks five through seven, to me were about getting home. Home to me is a place where you have deep roots and connections. So, I think I said when we were uh, getting in in North Dakota, I was feeling close to home because I spent time, significant time, in North Dakota. And specifically, I was determined to get to my brothers in. Uh, Minnesota, northern Minnesota, Potato Lake, uh, because my siblings and my step siblings were going to all meet for a celebration of my stepmom's uh, memorial because she died during COVID and we couldn't go to the funeral. So it was the first chance for family to get together. So for me, home was northern Minnesota where I grew up with my siblings and it's a special place. Uh, the roads and, uh, and the places we were were all familiar. Uh, And then, of course, I was able to be with my family, so I was highly motivated to make it uh, to my brother's place in time for that memorial. And then right after that, we were headed toward Lake Geneva, where my home is now, where this is coming from, and where my wife and stepsons and daughters live, and my two dogs. And so I was very motivated (laughs) to get home. And I think there was one day as we were traveling and we were having a tough day and I was saying to my son, oh, I just want to get home. (laughs) There's a saying that there could be no joy without suffering. And so part of the the suffering gets you the joy, but part of that joy gets you through the suffering and family and friends and people I know throughout the years that I've worked with. Entrepreneurs and investors and others are really good people and that emotional support has allowed me to go forward with this. I mean, when I'm on the bike, it, it's kind of just a meditative sort of state and it just feels right for me to be on that bike biking. And my, my son was a little surprised, that I think, when he was uh, sagging that, how he always commented, how, oh, geez, just get on that bike and you just keep going. And I said, well, I just kind of get in this meditative kind of feeling. I just enjoy being on the bike and, and feeling the earth around me and feeling the wind in my face. And it, 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 it's kind of a meditative, serene feeling for me. So on the bike, I'm at home in the saddle. <laughs> Weeks eight to nine marked the start of the final phase of the trip. I could see autumn starting to take a turn into winter. In fact, we were forced to leave Lake Geneva a day earlier than planned to beat some bad weather on the ferry ride. What we experienced over the next two weeks were days of cold and rain. This time was made all the harder from a head cold I got in Michigan and stayed with me through Ohio. I went back and forth from feeling 100% on the bike to being outright sick and lacking any kind of energy to bike. Still with this being the case, I kept the schedule and kept pushing. There were days I just didn't even want to get up. I knew when I planned this whole trip, the warm days in Montana and the sunshine in North Dakota were gonna get behind us. And in the second phase, especially once we got toward Pennsylvania, we were gonna get into some cold and ugly weather. And in fact, in Pennsylvania, we caught our first glimpse of snow. A lot of people were concerned when I told them about the trip, and that it wouldn't end until November in the far north of the country in Portland, Maine. And these days of cold and wind and rain proved true to that worry. So even through the cold and rain, I kept resilient and I pushed through so I could make it to the coast. When we got to Buffalo, I thought from Buffalo to the end was the beginning of the end, so it was the ending phase. Part of what drove me through the last phase was reflecting back on the whole trip and what I put into it, so I look back and we look back with the different members of the trip to see how they reflect on the trip.
2: I first heard about Steve's trip from his sister Kathy. It was uh, probably this spring. And when she told me that he was going to bike across the country from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine, I thought Steve was crazier than alone.
1: I, I really didn't know. I was really not sure. I felt like we were going to know really early, within the first week or two, if he had it in him or not. All throughout the country, people spoke with us and just immediately
2: showed concern when we said, yeah, biking cross-country We're ending in Portland, Maine, and they're thinking, really? Winter coming by, you know, mid-November, you're ending in Portland, Maine? Most people just, oh man, they, they didn't think he could do it. But then I talked to Steve, and he told me that he had been training for 16 months for this trip. That in and of itself really didn't change my mind because I know the hills around where he lives are not the same as going through the Rocky Mountains or the Bitter Roots or the Sawtooth Mountains. And I really didn't think that he was going to make it. I thought I would probably end up picking him up sometime you know, by the road in Idaho or someplace like
1: that. I would probably have some doubts and have some internal struggles, like mentally, if it were me, but I don't really see that with Steve, like at all.
0: I think in the back of my mind, I do know that I thought of, this is pretty audacious at my age to do this. I mean, lots of people back across the country, and they have support and all that. But doing it the way I wanted to do it, it was a pretty big audacious goal. And I think it was one of those kinds of things that in the back of my mind I I could prove to myself that I could accomplish a pretty audacious goal. Set the bar pretty high for me and accomplish it because I was a pretty overweight guy (laughs) before I started. And I saw him and he had lost 50 pounds and was in really great shape. I knew he was committed and I know, knowing Steve, I knew he could do it because he's just committed, and whatever he started in life, he's always
2: finished, so. But the training that he got and the work that he put into it just amazed me. And it's amazed me that he he's done it every day he's had. He's gone up steep climbs, he's gone down steep slopes, he's done it in rain, he's done it in hot weather. And I am just amazed that he, I mean, he's 69 years old. And to do this at that age, to me, is outstanding. I mean, the second day we started out, it just rained
0: like crazy the whole day. And he never slowed down, he just kept going.
2: Learned a lot from Stephen: perseverance, climbing those hills, getting up the next morning.
0: Each day got a little harder, and I knew that when we hit the Adirondacks it was gonna to start to get tough and it did start to get tough and then we had really tough rain days so I was worried about Vermont and New Hampshire and the climbs because I thought the climbs would be steeper and they were steeper than out in the Rockies
1: I don't think there's anything else in the world that he would rather be doing he loves riding his bike.
0: And I thought, there's nothing holding me back. I'm gonna get over it and I'm gonna get to Portland. He's an animal on that bike, he's crazy. What I wanted people to realize is that this trip was a bike trip, but it is about raising money for this fellowship. And that we interviewed these really interesting people. They're all entrepreneurs and the metaphor is, what did they say? They all had a dream. I had a dream. they all prepared for your, if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, you got to think about and do some research and prepare. Then they leapt and made decisions and they kept going forward but they were flexible and they were determined and I think the ride is kind of a metaphor for what you got to do to be a successful entrepreneur. Hi, I'm Steve Mercil. I'm here in upstate New York as I'm biking through the area, getting to Portland, Maine, because I've been biking across the country to raise money for a fellowship program. What's that fellowship program about? The fellowship will provide a $10,000 stipend for you to work part-time with our organization to get in the room for the non-Hollywood version of Shark Tank and interact with our investment groups and entrepreneurs to learn about this business of investing. I've been involved in e-commerce development for over 40 years. I've spent a career helping entrepreneurs get capital from their business, so putting investors and entrepreneurs together. So this is a way for me to give back to others, to learn what I learned. It's an apprenticeship business. It's hard to learn this in a book. So we're gonna give you a chance to get in the room and be apprenticed, and learn about this industry and how it works so that you can be successful in your endeavors of the future. I wanna stress that this is for young people. You don't necessarily have to be going to college, but you could be a a young person working in a career and wanna make a career change. My ideal candidate was maybe someone who has less experience and and, uh, maybe less uh, connections than others, but shows a real commitment to learning and being coached and uh, uh, a desire to make a difference in the world, not just for themselves, but for others. The fellowship program reminds me of a geographical location I visited on the bike trip, Lake Itasca. Lake Itasca is the headwaters of the Mississippi River. The amazing thing of it is, it's literally a stream that's probably not much wider than my living room. <laughs> you know? and, it, and you can see when you're there, you can see from the film that the, you know, it pours out of the rocks and, and it's very tiny. And then that, that, that mighty river becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and you get down to Red Wing, Minnesota and Lake Pepin and it's the largest natural lake on the Mississippi and it's just beautiful scenery. It's the same for the fellowship program. You start out small and you grow and you have a big impact on other people. If you're interested in this fellowship program, the Appalachian Investor Alliance website will be posting applications in January of 2022.